السلام علیکم و رحمتہ اللہ وبرکاتہ آئی ڈسائڈ ڈو دس پوڈ کاسٹ بیکاز بلیو ٹو ناٹ آئی ہیو گون بیک ٹو اسکول اینڈ آئی ایم گوئنگ بیک ٹو اسکول ناؤ آفٹر لٹرلی فورٹی ایئرس سو آئی آئی ڈسائڈ ٹو ٹیک دس immersion course in Arabic language from Middlebury language schools about which I had heard a great deal and uh, they have a great uh, record and reputation and I've been um, wanting to uh, improve what little Arabic I, I know for many years and here was an opportunity so I said let me enroll the course is um, It's an uh, eight-week, two-month immersion course. The average study is for about uh, 12 to 14 hours a day. Formal classes um, plus uh, lots of homework. Um, and it's a residential program in, mid, uh, in, in um, Bennington, Vermont. Middlebury Language Schools uh, comes here every summer for eight weeks uh, and they have courses in uh, different languages. This time they have courses in three languages, which is Arabic, Portuguese and Italian. So we have a whole bunch of people here, young, old, everything, studying. In my case, I am back in college after 40 years. The last time I was in college was when I was doing my, when I was at the Indian Institute of Management, Ahmedabad, IMA. And that was in 1985. So close to 40 years. Um, in my class, I'm the oldest. Uh, as per the Hijri calendar, I'm 70 this year. Gregorian is 68, but the Hijri calendar is 70. So I am older than the teachers and I am, I think I am twice the age of the oldest, uh, my co-student. I am three times the age of some of them and I am more than three times the age of some others. Um, but it's kind of exciting. Um, and... I think to some extent uh, also uh, I am in questioning my sanity. <laughs> uh, for those of you who are interested, do look up Middlebury, Middlebury Language Schools, M-I-D-D-L-E-B-U-R-Y, Middlebury Language Schools, for uh, more details of the program. Now, I want to begin this uh, podcast with something uh, which I read recently. And which I uh, think, you know, it popped up from my Google Photos. I didn't even know I had it. Uh, but it popped up. And I think these are things, alhamdulillah, that come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to remind you when you need them. And this thing says, you have given so much. You have worked so hard. You have fought through so many things. Just to make it here. You have taken the leap and you have waited. You have not given in to shortcuts. But sometimes 
the soul just needs to be reminded keep going keep believing keep trusting the work you're putting in is not in vain and the person who said that is morgan harper nichols morgan harper nichols i think it's a wonderful quote and i want to begin my uh, podcast uh, with this course with this uh, quote as you know the title of this podcast is uh, leadership is a personal choice and that is something i very genuinely believe in even if leadership is thrust upon you as it as it happens for uh, people for for example people in family businesses um you know you you have almost no choice because it is your family's business uh, it's a question literally a question of saying if you don't do it who will do it and uh, also people i guess in royal families and so on who inherit uh, their uh, their parents positions uh, even in those cases whether to actually be a leader whether to actually be a good leader or not is an active choice that you must make and if you don't make that choice you will never be a good leader that's the the title of uh, this pod this podcast leadership is a personal choice um so what happens when you go back to school at an advanced age now before that i must say one, one more thing which is that i have I mean, this is an old uh, you know saying from which which spans cultures and uh, boundaries which is that uh, learning never ends learning never never ends there is no right age for learning uh, you can learn at any age and so on and so on i'm sure all of you have heard of uh, this these uh, words uh, maybe in different ways but basically that now while that is true the what they don't tell you is what happens when you go back to formal school formal education there's a big difference between learning as in what happens on the hoof as compared to what happens when you go back to a formal school now why must you go back to a formal school there are two reasons why it's a very good idea to go back to a formal school because there is a huge benefit in learning in a structured environment major benefit uh classes specific sp- classes especially from time this time to this time uh examinations grades uh you know all the metrics of measurement of of whether you're learning or not and then uh, resources at the end of the day if you need any extra help and then the teachers who are teaching you are content and process experts in that area it is true you can learn from anybody you can learn from humans you can learn from non humans uh you can learn from situations you can learn by you know looking at the environment or you can learn in many ways but there is a huge difference between learning from all of that all of it you should do and learning from an expert so that is a big ex- uh, reason to go back to college and school because the teachers there are experts in that area 
Um, the course is structured. It is structured for you at your level. You have to go through an assessment to get in. And it's not just a matter of taking an assessment, uh, you know, and passing and, and saying, oh, I'm, I'm happy. No, the assessment is really to place you at a particular level of learning so that they know uh, how much you know or how much you don't know. And so, therefore, to the extent possible, the course is um, geared to help you to get the best out of it. So, the big benefit. I want to also talk about the importance of uh, um, attitude when you go for these courses. Um, there is a wonderful writer called Atul Gawande. A-T-U-L-G-W-A-N-D, Atul Gawande, doctor, doctor and professor Atul Gawande. He is uh, a surgeon and he is a professor in Harvard Medical School. He's written some wonderful books. Uh, one is called Checklist Manifesto. Another one is called Being Mortal. Um, I, I recommend both these books. Uh, two completely different things, but I recommend both these books to you. Um, so do buy them and do read them. Atul Gawande. Uh, one of the things that he says, he talks about the importance of getting a personal coach. Now, to a great extent, going back to college is like getting a pers personal coach because you do go back to a class in which there is there are more than one person, but uh, the teachers uh, will focus attention on you and especially if you let it be known to them that you are keen to learn uh, both directly uh, by saying that in so many words and indirectly by demonstrating your eagerness and sincerity to learn. Uh, they will become your personal coaches. Now, Atul Gawande says, now he's a, he's, a, he's a famous surgeon and so on. He says, no matter what your level of expertise, get a personal coach because the personal coach will will see and find things that you are doing which you can do better. Now, find things you are doing which you can do better. Another word for that is fault finding. They will catch your faults. They will find fault in what you are doing. Now, you might say, am I insane? Why would I want someone to find fault. There are enough people in my life who find faults in my life anyway uh, and they and they do it for free and you want me to now actually pay someone to do that for me. Am I crazy? Am I insane? No, you're not insane. You are uh, the sanest person in the world. Um, you're the wisest person in the world. And the reason I say that is because whoever else is fault-finding in your life Maybe they are right, maybe they are wrong because they are not experts most of the time. They are not experts, uh, content experts and process experts in what you uh, are seeking to be improved in. Um, they may have their own ulterior motives for saying what they say. Uh, they may not be sincere. They may just be trying to put it down and so on. So you can ignore them and you should ignore them. But when you ask a coach to coach you, there are two things happening. One is that you are also saying to yourself that I am ready to learn and I am ready to accept the fact that even though I might be, uh, I might think of myself and, and I might even be um, 
you know, a, a, a wonderful expert in this particular field. But there is always room for improvement. And here is a person who I think can help me to improve. That is the first thing that happens, which is you make yourself ready to receive feedback. And believe me, a lot of that is going to be critical feedback. But you will not feel depressed about it. You will not feel uh, hurt and you will your ego will not uh, melt down. Um, and your self-esteem uh, is strong enough to withstand that beating all of this, right? Um, that's the first thing, and that's a very important thing because unless the receptor, which is yourself, your mind, your heart, is ready to receive correction, correction will not happen. Um, no matter what the other person might say, no matter how right they might be, and they will be right because they are experts, um, you will not accept it and you won't benefit. So actually engaging a coach is a, a, is a uh, an action of trust and it's a demonstration of sincerity of uh, intention to learn. The second thing that happens is that you, then the coach will then look at you and obviously they will also encourage you and they will say, uh, you know, things that um, that you might like to hear, but uh, they will then also say things to you which are of a critical nature uh, and they will feel, they will not feel bad about saying that because they are not criticizing you for the heck of it. They are doing that because you uh, you asked to be uh, you know to be to be assessed and for feedback to be given to you. So it's a very important thing. So Atul Gawande says that he engaged uh, another surgeon who was, I think, if I'm not mistaken, in that uh, narrative, he says that this person was one of his teachers or he was somebody senior, much more experienced than him, and uh, he asked him to coach him and to uh, observe him while he was conducting an operation, while he was doing an operation. Uh, so this coach was with him in the operation theater. And uh, Atul Gawande says that the operation, I did it well, it was successful, there's no problem with that. But the coach was able to point out to him several things which um, Atul Gawande could have done better. And he says that, you know, I improved a huge deal from this. So I think this is a very important thing to, um, to bring yourself, um, I don't like to use the word down because it's, there's nothing down about, um, about sincerity of learning. But if you understand what I mean, if you to bring yourself to the level of a learner. Now, what happens when you uh, go into a school, especially at... Um, when you are a senior, when, when you are at an advanced age. Now, I'm not saying that the, all of this as a general rule that this will happen to everybody, but this definitely happened to me. And uh, so I'm, I'm sharing that with you, right? So take it as it is. The first thing, the very, very first thing that happens is a loss of significance. And interestingly, the more significant you are, the more will be the loss and the greater will be the pain of that. By significance, I mean anything. I mean, for example, the bigger the expert in your area, um, 
the bigger the position of authority you might have, uh, the more students and your own, you know, followers and, and friends and circle that you might have had, all of things that give you significance in your life, when you get into a school learning environment, will be lost. You are just a name. And in many cases, nobody knows who you are. And frankly, nobody cares who you are because uh, they are there to learn. Uh, they are, you know, they have their course material to read. They have portions to finish. They have homework to do. They are preparing for exams just like yourself. And uh, so nobody really has so much time for you. So you, there's a loss of significance and a feeling of loneliness. Now, in my case, I love being alone. So I am not affected by loneliness. But I, I, but I, I can see how this would affect somebody uh, who likes to have friends, who likes to, um, you know. And there are people here who say, well, what's happening on the weekend? Oh, there's nothing to do. Uh, you know, what are you doing? I said, I'm doing nothing. I'm, I have a book to read. I have my course material to read. I'll then go for a walk and come back and just sit outside. It's a very, very beautiful environment here in Bennington. So I just sit outside on one of those. Uh, they have these um, uh, New England chairs uh, that I sit on and you know, just watch the clouds move. So, but if you're not like that, if you uh, are like most people who need company, it's not going to happen. Um when you want to, <clears throat> and, and remember, loneliness is also not a factor of how many people, because I'm surrounded by people. It's a question of who, a question of, of significantly important people in your life. Um, in, in my life, the most significantly important person is not with me here. So, obviously, I feel uh, lonely for that reason. Not because I want to be surrounded by people, uh, that's not important for me. But for many people, that is also important. So uh, this can be a, a quite a quite a difficult factor to deal with. Um, second thing to understand is that what gave you significance in your home environment has no meaning here. So talking about past achievements and that life has no meaning. I did this, I did that, I was this, I was that, I went, I went here, I went there, I achieved this, I achieved that has no meaning. Um, I'm in an American college. I'm with Americans. The difference between cultures and generations is so vast as to be practically impossible to bridge, even if you care to, uh, which frankly you will not because you won't have the time. And uh, if you try to do that, it will just distract you from your learning. So trying to make friends with somebody who is... Uh, you know, half your age or one-third your age is uh, is not uh, easy. Um, for me, I have not had difficulty with this uh, in my life because I have a lot of people. I have a lot of friends who are uh, literally from there. Who I, have, I have friends. Uh, friends meaning I people I can sit and talk to. When I do sit and talk to, they, they talk to me, I talk to them. Um, so it's not just somebody's children. These are my personal friends. I have friends who are from 10 years upwards. Uh, as I said, I'm 70. So they are, these guys are, you know, I'm seven times their age or six times their age. 
so for me to make friends is not uh, is not difficult i i have not lost that uh, ability but <clears throat> obviously the the meeting of minds the mental uh, level of maturity uh, what you can talk to, to them about and uh, you know their breadth of information that they have breadth of knowledge experience all of that will vary and uh, so some things you learn from them obviously because they are they live in a different world and uh, it's a it's an important world because that's the current world it's the future world so you learn from them but other things are uh, frankly i mean there's nothing to learn I, it's uh, it's quite um, you know so it it, it leaves you it, there's a vacuum um so there is that um this uh, that discord or disconnect the next thing is that you are in an immersion course you are a resident and you're not going back every day or on weekends to you know so called recharge your batteries or anything like that um so you are there for the duration of the course uh <clears throat> you're doing something new and this is a big one because you know i used to teach um, this wonderful uh, uh, learning model uh, and interestingly i i had a big laugh at myself interestingly the example i used to give always was learning a new language and the model is that if you for example want to learn anything new you are at a particular level when you start doing the new thing what's the what's the best way to learn something new is to use that new thing and not use the old thing so the first thing that will happen when you use the new thing is that your level of competence and your level of comfort and your level of uh, output will drop and i always used to give the example of learning a new language now i've learned several i've learned new languages several times i learned tamil from scratch from i knew nothing not a single word i didn't know the t of tamil and i learned tamil and i i i'm fluent in it <clears throat> i learned malayalam and i'm pretty good at it as well um urdu of course is my mother tongue but i learned urdu also formally uh, in school and college and then i learned creole in um, in south america and guyana Uh, Guyana uh, again from scratch. I had I you know didn't know and there as Creole I didn't and I learned in different ways. I mean, Creole I didn't learn it formally. I just picked it up as we went along and I became so good at it that people always mistook me for a native Guyanese person and they would ask me uh, so where you from? So I'd say I'm from India. No man, I mean here where you from? I said no, I'm from India. From India. how come how how you how you how you speak like a, like like uh, like us like like a we how do you speak like a we um and so this was the uh, this was the creole that i used to speak so we got a bit uh, rusty now but uh, i learned it uh, tamil i learned formally i had uh, my dear friend and teacher kannan vadyar uh, he would come and teach me every day and uh, then the rest of the time i was I was in a in a literally in an immersion environment because I was surrounded by people who could speak only Tamil all the tea garden workers and 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 the the staff of course could speak English also but I had specifically told them uh, that nobody must speak to me in English uh, speak to me only in Tamil so they used to speak to me in Tamil the and of course everybody had a big laugh in the beginning 
and the workers used to speak to me in Tamil. So I, <clears throat> I learned that formally. The difference is that when I was learning uh, Creole in Guyana, uh, I was in my early 20s. When I was learning Tamil in, uh, in the Anamales in, in Tamil Nadu, uh, I was 25. Uh, today I'm 70. So there is, <laughs> there is a big difference in uh, the age of the brain and so on and so forth. So the, the theory is that if you, the example, example I used to give is for language. I would say that if you are learning a new language, um, the first thing you will have, and obviously the best way to learn a new language is to use that language alone and nothing else. Force yourself to use the new language. That way you will speak up, you will pick up vocabulary, you will uh, start learning how to use the grammar and so on. It is an intensely painful process. Let me warn you, if you want to do that, it's a very painful process. Um, and the first thing that happens is that you lose your complete ability to communicate. Now, I'm doing this podcast in English because this is an English podcast and it goes all over the world. But if I, if you ask me to do this podcast in Arabic, um, believe me, I mean, I can't possibly do it with this fluency, at this speed, uh, I can't even do it, do it with this complexity. I can probably give you an overall idea about what I was going to say. But uh, at this level, uh, at this point in my course, uh, three weeks into it, uh, another five weeks to go, uh, my Arabic is simply not up to giving you this podcast in Arabic in the same uh, way that I'm doing that in English. So if I force myself to speak the language, the first thing is that I will fail. So this is something very important to keep in mind and be prepared for it mentally. But if you stick to that, if you do not give in, if you do not go back to the old ways, and that's why I began with that quote um, of Nichols, then you will start improving and then your efficiency level will go, you know, to uh, will become, will go high and, um, you know, uh, maybe as, as good as the, the earlier one. Uh, so, being mentally prepared to fail is very important because this is the circle of pain. If you are not mentally prepared to fail, you will give up. If you give up, you go back to where you were and that's it. Uh, <clears throat> the more successful you were, the more you will feel that pain, the pain of failure. But you can't allow it to, to drag you down or you will give up and truly, and truly fail because nowhere is it more true that for uh, that you do not lose when you are still trying. You lose when you give up. You don't lose while you are still trying. You're still in the race. You're still running no matter how slow. But the day you give up, you are gone. Then you fail. So you don't fail when you fall. You fail when you do not get up, when you fail to get up. I remember this is a wonderful story of the Scottish King Robert Bruce. It's one of the stories which we learned in school, Robert Bruce and the Spider, of how Robert Bruce lost his attempt to his trying to get back his kingdom and he tried over and over again and kept on failing and failing and failing. And then he was hiding from his enemies uh, in, a, in, a, in the ruins of an old castle. And he saw this spider which was trying to climb up the wall and kept falling back and kept falling back. And eventually... It succeeded, uh, 
and Robert Bruce took that as a message for himself to say that this is what it means, try, try, try again. Now, what are some coping strategies? So having told you the downside of it, let me tell you the upside of it. Now, what, are, what are some coping strategies? Number one, forget people. Uh, forget trying to make friends, forget trying to seek significance from outside. Be happy with yourself and your own company. Continuously focus on the goal. So I keep telling myself, you're here to learn Arabic. That's it, period. There is no other goal. You are here to learn Arabic. So what must I do? Focus on Arabic. Do my reading. Try to remember as many words as I can. Try to understand the grammar, which right now is a uh, is a vast mystery as far as I'm concerned. Um, focus on the teachers. Take feedback from them. The more feedback you get, the better off you are, and so on. So forget people. Forget about the forget about your neighbors and your friends and your cronies and your classmates and your roommates and your whoever. I don't have a roommate. I'm alone. But forget all those. Uh, forget socializing. Forget. Focus on the goal. Forget everyone. Be happy with your with your own company. That's the best advice I can give anybody. Uh, it doesn't happen easily. It's something to be developed. Alhamdulillah, I have it because I've I've done it. I've enjoyed it all my life. Uh, the the willingness to just be by, be by myself. I enjoy my, I enjoy my own company. I enjoy thinking. When I'm thinking, I write or I record. And that's a wonderful strength to have. The second one is remember that to that nobody can take away your achievements. And if nobody understands or appreciates them in this time and place, it doesn't matter. It doesn't lessen them in any way. And that's why I began uh, with that quote. Because the mountain was there, you climbed it with your handicaps, you overcame, and you don't need people to constantly praise you for it or understand how tough it was or whatever. The ant can lift weight for weight, kilo for kilo. The ant can lift the equivalent of a 16-wheeler. But that doesn't make you and your 40 pounds that you lifted less valuable. You are you. You are not an ant. And as far as you are concerned, what you did was fantastic. right? So keep that in mind. Don't, uh, uh, don't allow the the uh, current situation of stress that you are, that you might be feeling in that uh, in the new environment to drag you down then the next one is you still need even though i have said all this about the fact that you will fail and that you uh, must be mentally prepared for that the fact remains that you you need to also have some coping strategy because um, without that you will probably you know give in to the beating I mean psychological beating of, uh, of failing and failing and trying and trying and you know not succeeding so for that um, you won't get it from the primary activity. So to understand this, that you still need to feel successful in the new place. 
and you are not likely to get it from the primary activity. So find another activity to compensate. Now for me, this was diet and gym. Now in this place, uh, the kitchen is not halal. Even the uh, meat that they serve here, the chicken and the beef, uh, because there's no mutton here, they, they serve only beef. That comes here, uh, they label it halal, but uh, it is not zabiha. I, I try to find out and uh, nobody can tell me if it's zabiha or not. So I have become completely vegetarian. They have a very good vegetarian and vegan diet here, the vegan menu here, because this is a liberal arts college. So this is the a woke place and uh, lots of uh, you know people who are vegans. So I have, for example, in the last three weeks, I think I have eaten uh, more tofu than um, I could have ever imagined. I think I must, by the time I'm at the end of the eight weeks, I would have eaten probably my body weight in, in, in tofu. Um, so what I did was <clears throat> that I put myself on a regimen where I eat now once in 24 hours. That's it. I have a cup of black coffee in the morning. Um, on my way to the class, I just walk into the dining room and I pick up a cup of large cup of uh, black coffee. No sugar, no milk. And I drink that. Uh, and then I eat in the night. I eat at uh, 6 p.m. when the dining room opens. Um, that's it. And then I eat the next day at 6 p.m. The same thing. So once in 24 hours. And the second thing I started doing was that I uh, hit the gym. And so I'm walking five miles a day, which is about 10,000 steps or 10 or 11,000 uh, steps. I usually do about 12,000 steps. I've got blisters in my, in my foot to prove that. Um, and I've got the Samsung app to actually count the steps. So I do that and then I do some weights in the gym, which is for another 45 minutes. Now, that in gym, now, I feel a sense of uh, overcoming and a sense of achievement. And uh, I can see and feel the good effect of this, obviously. Right? I feel lighter, I feel more energy. Uh, I don't feel sleepy. I... Um, I can see the effect of, uh, you know, my muscles are getting back their strength and muscle tone is improving and alhamdulillah. And obviously all of this releases endorphins into the blood which combat depression. I mean, alhamdulillah, I don't have depression, but I'm saying that, you know, that this is something that uh, is, is beneficial. Then, of course, the most important thing, and uh, really that's the first thing, is focus on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and talk to him. Uh, for example, in the exams, you know, and each one, have, we have our own way of making dua. So, my, what I made dua, I said, Ya Allah, uh, if somebody is cheating and they're, they're relying on their friend uh, or they are sticking a book under the table or something and writing the exam, they will pass and they will do well. Um, I'm asking you and you know everything. So, please help me and tell me, uh, you know, give me the right answers. And uh, the first exam I got uh, 27 out of 30. So, <laughs> so talk to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Talk to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because He always has time for you. Um, he can actually help you. 
and change your condition unlike people if you talk to people what can people do you know they can have pity on you which is a disgusting situation to have for yourself have been in a situation where people are pitying you i mean you, you don't want to be like that so talk to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, allah subhanahu wa ta'ala won't laugh at you behind your back he won't pity you like people will if you tell them about your woes talk to allah uh, the second thing is read the quran in the course of this i lost one of my dearest 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 friend dada mahmood and uh, the first day i got that news i literally could not stop crying and it got to a point where i i felt like this is insane because i'm i'm sitting in the cafeteria t- t- tears are flowing i'm sitting in the class tears are flowing um and alhamdulillah we were nice people who are you know my my classmates you know, they just came and sat next to me people came and just sat next to me uh, they said nothing they just sat next to me and uh, my teacher came my teacher alhamdulillah uh, she is also a sheikh of and and from jamiat al-azhar in egypt and uh, alhamdulillah she uh, you know she made dua uh, and alhamdulillah these things calmed me down but what calmed me down and what really brought solace to my heart was to read quran so i just read quran and read quran and literally i could feel the effect of the quran on my heart as i was reading quran and wallahi turn to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you will find answers to wherever to whatever is bothering you the thing that came to me straight away <clears throat> when that happened was i was feeling this terrible pain of parting uh, you know imagine i mean adnan was so dear to me uh, i had this I, i've been here in america now five years and you know i was thinking uh, always a thought in my mind every time i talked to every uh, we had this uh, tradition after eid salah we would all get together and we would take a, we would take a picture <clears throat> all together all the mutagifin and all the you know our close friends we would take a picture together and uh, the last this ramadan adnan sent me this uh, picture of all of them sitting together uh, and taking a, they, they took a little video and they said yaar bhai we are missing you and this was this came to me subhanallah and i you know i i wept and wept now what came to me was what ibn al-khayyim al-jawzi rahmatullah they said he said love allah and you will never have to fear the pain of party he said love allah that doesn't mean don't love anybody else and point is uh, we don't love anybody at the level or with the depth that we love allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of course we love our our spouses our children our parents and you know our dear friends and so on uh, it doesn't stop us from doing that but love allah meaning love allah subhanahu wa ta'ala more than anyone so ibn al-khayyim al-jawzi rahmatullah he said love allah and you will not ever have to face the pain of parting because allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with us wherever so read quran and you will find answers to whatever is bothering you believe me this is something that i uh, can say with the greatest of emphasis and uh, finally uh, write down your thoughts and write down not type write down like i did just now my handwriting is horrible but uh, write down there's a there's some chemistry between writing and your brain and how it, how it functions um last but not the least be patient with yourself be patient with yourself you don't have to prove anything to anyone uh for someone like me who's doing it at this age 
I'm not doing this to get a promotion or to get a job or anything like that. Learning for the love of learning. There's nothing more wonderful than that. It's painful, but it's a beautiful thing. And remember that the biggest and most valuable learning will not be the data, but the learning about yourself as a person. That's very important to focus on. The biggest learning, the most valuable learning is not conjugation of verbs. It's not the kawaid of jumla uh, ismiya uh, or jumla fi'liya or jumla sifatiya or something. It is knowledge about yourself. So don't lose that. Uh, be aware of yourself. Uh, keep that in, uh, in your mind and heart. And keep making notes to say, what am I learning about myself as a person? Don't lose that in the stress of learning the data. And then, of course, very important, read your notes from time to time and add to them as you need to add to them. I hope all of this is uh, beneficial and useful. Uh, I'm doing this as much for myself as for you because it's, uh, it's something that rejuvenates me and it which reinforces my own learning. And I hope that this is also beneficial for all of you. And uh, please don't forget to make dua for me, inshallah, that this old brain should uh, function and uh, shouldn't short circuit. And may Allah bless you. Uh,